So we have Aaron here today. Aaron's joining us from Revitalize Performance. Quick shout out, plug, um, who we've seen success with with all different things, right? But today's kind of specific to hands, wrists, forearms. That's your specialty, would you say? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. Do you um, want to kind of go over like who you are, what you do, and yeah, all that stuff? Yeah, that's perfect. So my name is Aaron. I'm an occupational therapist at Revitalize Performance. Um, my boss, Danielle, is a physical therapist who owns Revitalized Performance, and right now we have two locations, but in a couple months we're going to be at just one standalone operation, which is really exciting. And I joined Revitalized Performance last year, and my have just sort of started taking a caseload, and I've worked with the hand and wrist for like eight years, even back further if you include like... Um, my clinical, I went, I basically became an OT to become a hand therapist because I had to have hand therapy myself a long time ago when I broke my arm and I just was like, wow, this is what I want to do. I was going to ask that, like what was the, it seems like such a niche like yeah. area, like there must be some personal. So I was in a car accident actually broke a bunch of bones, but I would say in terms of function, the worst was my broken arm because I also had an ulnar nerve injury. So mine was so, it wasn't severed, but it was so traumatized that I lost these two fingers, like their function for probably like a year. I actually wore a special splint that kept these two fingers upright so I could use them. Um, but I was in hand therapy for 10 months and had great results. <laughs> I felt really inspired. And it was actually my hand therapist who suggested, like, well, why don't you consider becoming an OT? Wow. Yeah. That's funny. I feel like that's a lot of career paths. People start by experiencing how it can, like, change their lives or just make an improvement. And they're like, oh, I want to do this for yeah, others. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, kind of pay it back full circle. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's cool. Um, do you work primarily with, like, athletes crossfit athletes well i do now <laughs> general population now yeah but i'm like this is new for me i've been working with eric and i actually um have been honest about the fact that i feel almost a little intimidated sometimes working with crossfit athletes um but then once i'm, once I'm in my sessions i realize like oh i know the hand and wrist it's like i'm not a crossfit expert but that's okay i i don't um I don't feel like I need to be, and I'm really excited about learning more. Traditionally, like the past seven years of my career were working in a really traditional hospital outpatient clinic setting where I got to see a lot of things, um, but I'm excited to be away from that model of healthcare and be working in a totally different type of setting where we're providing a different experience. Um, 
And so working with CrossFit athletes or athletes in general is new to me. I did work with athletes at times. Like there were high school athletes. I worked with adult athletes. Um, but that wasn't primarily who I was treating. So I definitely saw a lot of um, common injuries like carpal tunnel, chronic things, carpal tunnel, decuervings, which is like a thumb tendonitis, um, some post-surgical people, wrist fractures, elbow fractures, finger fractures, mm. lots of people who like punched a wall and they yeah. try to tell you like <laughs> something and you're like, no, mm -hmm. I know you punched something. That's the only way you get this right. fracture. <laughs> And then after, like, building some rapport and they're like, oh, she's not so scary, they'd come out and tell you, like, yeah, I punched someone. Yeah, those <laughs> things happen, yeah. <laughs> um, when, I, when Eric brought this up to me, like, hey, this would be a cool subject and kind of have, it, like, an expert on it, I thought that people might not realize it, but that the hands and the grip is connected to almost every single thing that you do in the gym. Yeah. Well, in life, really, but, like, specifically with the CrossFit style of yeah, training, I mean, there's so much that happens through the hands. Yeah, name like name the exercises you there are they there are exercises where we don't use our hands like but like box name jump. Them. <laughs> yeah. I could count them on one yeah. hand. Right? I was trying to think of them. I'm like, all right, like get them to like box jump. Yeah. Lunges as long as Lunges. there's no weight involved. Right? Which a lot. Right. But a lot yeah, of times where we have things. We have objects and Right. And our hands are holding on to them. But yeah, I, that was kind of the the biggest thing for me too and when I started working with you I was like wow like as as a CrossFit population we never even like think about the wrists or the hands or anything like that like we we talk about grip and building grip strength and all that but that's pretty much the extent of like our yeah. hands and and so like when I I came to you because I had trouble overhead squatting like I can't uh like holding the bar really hurt my wrists and it didn't used to before so um that's kind of the reason why we started uh, started working together. Yeah. Really, but um, but it kind of opened my eyes. Like wow! Like everything, like you're saying, everything we do is with our hands almost, and uh, and we don't spend much time on it. So even like warm ups and stuff like that that you've you've kind of taught me and stuff. It's it's pretty cool. And I think <clears throat> when you have like an outsider come in from um, from like a, a world outside of CrossFit and bring something to CrossFit, it's, it can be really beneficial. Like whether it's a, you know, a triathlete or a power lifter, like people with specialties yeah. coming to something that's so broad, like it's always a good, it's always a good thing because CrossFit is so broad and it's just the more knowledge and, and specialists that we have, the better. So when I first started CrossFit, I was immediately like, Oh, Oh, <laughs> like my attention was right on like, what I was asking of my hands and wrists and I wouldn't say like I have some kind of optimal hand and wrist health because I work with the hand um, but more like just this increased awareness right and um, even just from doing hand therapy which can be a lot of manual work especially with someone who, who might be really really stiff you can get a workout just like trying to bend their fingers or bend their wrists it's a lot it's taxing on my own hands um, but when I added CrossFit in, I started realizing, wow, my forearms are tight, they're sore. I was, I would sometimes feel um, like tendonitis, elbow tendonitis symptoms. Um, but I knew how to manage them. But I just became more aware of like, well, what are people doing when they don't know how to manage these symptoms? Most of us love CrossFit, so we, we don't want to stop 
going to workouts, right? So a lot of people will power through or maybe they're just icing or maybe they get some therapy. I don't know, but... The wrist straps. Yeah, the wrist straps. We were talking about wrist straps this week. I always ask, like, do you ever do stuff without those? Because a lot of people have some sort of gear like that, right? And not that it's a bad thing, but I always prod, like, do you ever train without those? Or, or like, what does it feel like if you try to, like, hold something without them on? And if the answer is, like, well, I can't do things without them, then it's, like, that's a that's an issue that you need to rectify at some point. Yeah, that's basically what I was saying the other day when <clears throat> Eric mentioned trying some wrist straps and, like, not loving them. And I basically said, yeah, they any kind of device like that serves a purpose, but when you're relying on it and you can't do your workout without it, there is an underlying issue that you should probably try to address. Mm. Because also by using those um, those devices, I don't know what else to call them, um, you can end up making the problem worse too because it's not being addressed. Yeah, it's the same concept as like a belt, right? The belt is a tool to increase your like cueing ability to keep abdominal abdominal pressure and all that but if you always train with a belt and you don't have that like natural innate sense to to brace without it there then you're gonna be weak without the belt on it's the same like with knee wraps and the wrist straps and all those things Um, but they definitely serve a purpose especially on like you know if you're doing heavy singles like maybe they'll help you like be a little more safe Mm -hmm. but if that's the only way you can do the movement, then there's an underlying issue. Yeah, and if you're wearing something like that for increased stability, then you want to get to the core reason that you don't have a stable wrist mm. or a stable knee, not just support it with this device. You you want to know the why and what you can do to improve it. And yeah, if that device still serves its purpose, then sure, maybe you incorporate it at certain times. But I'm... I was like trying not to poo-poo those things yeah. <laughs> because I understand they serve a purpose for people. But again, it's um, important to understand uh, why am I wearing this and is this like my long-term plan? Because really it's it's not necessarily ideal. Yeah. I'm very much a believer of that like structural integrity as the, the base of all the other things that you do and mm-hmm. try to model that. By the way, I personally train, and, like, 99% of the time I don't have any equipment, right? Like, I try to do everything raw, quote-unquote. Yeah. Um, and if I need, you know, not even need if I want that, like, uh, extra stability with a belt or something, then I'll add it um, on specific days. But I think just building, like, trust in your joint integrity and, like, legitimate strength in those places is, like, fundamental. Yeah, I definitely think that way, too, probably because I am a therapist, but... There are moments that I've been in the gym that I'm like, oh, should I have those? Should I have that? Should I have all of those things? But I usually talk myself out of it. I'm like, no, I probably wouldn't even know how to use it. And I don't have an issue that would require that. Right. Yeah, I've definitely gone through the years of getting all the gear. Like, I probably have everything, but Mm -hmm. I I never use it. Yeah. Except for a belt, like I'll throw on a belt if I'm like trying to get a PR or something. But even anything below like a two rep or three rep, I usually don't even use a belt. So. Yeah. Um, one thing that popped into my head when you were saying like CrossFit doesn't necessarily acknowledge the fact that like the hands and the wrists play a role in everything. And I think um, it might not be like a negligence thing or an ignorance thing, but maybe it's more so just because the methodology preaches 
so heavily on like core to extremity, right. right? So it's like all these functional movements when you're like looking for triaging a person's movement, the thing you look at the most is their midline. Like are their hips and spine wetted and are they like properly uh, braced and all those things. So like you kind of get lost in a way like, the last thing that you pay attention to is like the hands. Yes. Um, other than grip, obviously, like grip make, makes a huge difference in the movements, but like the the actual like right. minutia of like the hands and wrists is almost like that's the periphery of the movement, uh, especially with like Olympic lifting and stuff. So it's almost like you kind of focus as a coach on those big movers first and get those sussed out. Um, but that's not to say you should eventually not get to like yeah. stable wrist and hand health and in therapy we have a say <coughs> proximal stability for distal mobility mm, and we apply okay. it to every population like yeah i'll, I'll uh, send it to you so you've got that in your <laughs> back pocket yeah so if we don't have that proximal core strength we aren't going to have good distal mobility so like even looking at different populations such as kids in school and their handwriting if you've got a child who's like slumped over and can't really stay erect, their handwriting is going to be crap. And you could have them sit at a table and color with broken crayons, which is one of the strategies. And it's a good strategy if they've got good, good core strength. It does strengthen their grasp. But if they've got a crappy core, they're not, they're, there's just to me no value in like having them do all these fine motor exercises and drills. Mm. They need that core strength first. And you can work on them simultaneously, of course. You don't have to just do core until, right. right, it's good. But if you're not addressing the core, why are you even looking at the fine motor? And if you look at somebody at the end of life or uh, maybe some, not even end of life, but somebody who's had a stroke, for instance, and they, they, lose, uh, they lose core strength, they're leaning to their right, like they can't use one of their hands, you're not going to have them sitting at the table practicing writing their signature if they can't sit up straight. So you're going to be having them on the edge of a mat just working on staying erect and when they start to lean, getting them to go back to midline before you worry about can they get their dentures in by themselves, mm. right? So it's across the lifespan. Always you need a strong core to have good functional use of your hands. But... Um, for somebody who, again, going back to what I just said too, like you don't need to address one and then the other. You can address them together. And yeah, you, you need that awareness like, well, I'm not going to put a lot of focus on this person's grip strength when they clearly have a weak core. Um, but with like the general population, you can incorporate these hand and wrist strategies because prevention... <laughs> Yeah. of injuries would just be so helpful to this community. Right. And especially with the, the things specific, the tasks specific to CrossFit, especially Olympic lifting, I think are probably the most taxing along with some high school gymnastics on the hands and the wrists, like front rack position, overhead position, handstand, pull up. Like, yeah. I'm sure those are the things that you probably have to work through the most with the mm -hmm. most amount of people. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So I have, I'm going to share this anatomy stuff. Because I think it's very relevant and will be kind of just eye-opening for people. Um, so first of all, in our hand and wrist, we have intrinsic and extrinsic muscles. So we've got these little tiny muscles that live just in our hand and manipulate our hand, but they're small. They're right in our hand. 
Then we've got the extrinsic muscles that also move our hand and wrist, but they start outside. So they either start at the end of our humerus or somewhere in our forearm, and then they insert on the hand. That's important to know because when you think about like power grip, um, it's actually the muscles of the forearm that are responsible for power grip for the most part. Okay, so that's why even though it's not cool, wrist curls and some of these isolated movements as accessory work are really beneficial. And it doesn't have to just be sitting down with a dumbbell day after day. There are lots of options. Um, you can use bands and you can do eccentric exercises. Um, it doesn't have to be boring and it doesn't have to be daily, but they are important. Um, but if you're not also focusing on the intrinsic muscles, you actually lose a lot of the mechanics of your grip. So these little muscles just help with that a fine movement of our hands. And having a, you'll have a stronger grip if you work on your intrinsics. And when you lose them due to an injury, whether it's a nerve injury, a skeletal injury, um, you'll actually lose the force that they contribute to grip. So they are important, even though they're so tiny. Um, but the kind of things that we do, I was teaching Eric this week to strengthen the intrinsic mu muscles. They're not really glamorous. They're not sexy. They're not fun. They're kind of tedious and boring almost, but they're so important. And um, another couple interesting points, there are like 206 bones in our body and 27 are in each hand and wrist. So that's 54. So that's 26% that's, um, of your bones are in your hands and wrists. Wow. And skeletal muscles, we have something like 650 and you've got about 30 in each hand and wrist. So about 10% of all your muscles are working your hands and wrists. I think those numbers are crazy. When you think about the, me the mechanics of the hand, though, it makes sense. Our hands do so much more than the rest of our, our joints in our body, right? Um, but that's why, to me, I'm like, of course the hand is important. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, it like evolutionarily separated us from like the whole entire animal yes, kingdom like, yeah. thumbs, making tools yes. that came before all the other things in yeah the brain and, and like, we are meant to use them and work with them and so that's why like going through a hand injury being a hand therapist it's super on my radar how important the hands are and how much we take them for granted and how even something like a fractured pinky can really mess up your whole life mm -hmm. um so that's why i think getting this increased awareness and increased, um, I guess, effort to keep the wrists healthy and the hands healthy and strong would just benefit this community so much because people wouldn't be suffering some of the injuries they're getting. And it's all I can I can see what you're saying about the smaller muscles in the hand and kind of tie it to like a shoulder. So like if you're if you're bench pressing, say, and you feel stuck at a certain weight, like it might not be like your pecs that are actually limiting you. If you did some accessory stuff on like those smaller like yes. rotator cuffs and things in your shoulders, you might find that you PR your bench because those smaller muscles do play a, a big role when moving large loads and all that. So it sounds kind of similar in the hands where if you're working those those little like accessory yes. muscles, they're going to 
allow or, you to grip a lot stronger. Or even opposing muscle groups. Yeah. Because everything we're doing, the gripping is all our flexors. You know, the grip is the forearm flexors. Oh, another interesting tidbit is that for this movement to bend these, um, your first set of knuckles in your hand, that the primary movers are intrinsic. They're in your hand. So, like, think about getting your hand around a bar, like, versus just hanging, right? Wanting to really get your hand around the bar to really bend those knuckles and pull those fingers into your palm. You need strong intrinsics. So, like, what accessory movements are you prescribing for your intrinsics? Okay. <laughs> Is that a question? <laughs> well, anyway, it's just, it's fascinating when you think about it, yeah. right? Um and I see it, like, in a practical application so many times, like, cueing somebody's grip as, like, that's your weak link right now. Like, you're strong enough to do a pull-up, but you're, like, hanging from half of your yeah. finger. You're not going to be able to do a pull-up on half your finger and, like, getting the knuckles to roll over the bar and, like, yes. crank down, you know what I'm saying? Or even on barbells, like, I am constantly, squeeze the bar, squeeze the bar. Yeah. Squeeze the bar. So if I can see daylight there, you're not, like, activating the yes. things the right way. And it's interesting because when you look at, just go to Google and it's like CrossFit, grip strengthening, it's all just like more gripping. Mm. But what I've prescribed for the past, whatever, eight years working hand therapy isn't just all gripping to strengthen your grip. And there's also repetitive grasp, there's sustained grasp, where in CrossFit we're doing a lot of sustained gripping, but we're not doing much of the repetitive gripping, which is important, um, unless... It is like a lot of reps where you're like putting down, picking up, whatever, mm -hmm. jumping up. And then um, the, the, the exercises, again, that I would prescribe to, to strengthen those tiny muscles or even to strengthen the form aren't necessarily things we might think of in the gym, but they are so valuable and uh, a little boring, but I think they can really make the difference. I, I had a patient recently who... Um, she increased her grip strength by 14 pounds during over like six weeks. And I was really, I was impressed because she was doing CrossFit. So I might, I might see that with someone and not be that surprised because like, let's say they had broken their wrist and not used their hand for weeks. And now we go at it for six weeks. Oh, wow. You got 10, 15 pounds of grip strength. And that wouldn't really surprise me. It would be a good number. Um, but it, it would also be not a, a big, such a big surprise, but she, someone who was actively doing CrossFit already and just came to work on, um, some pain and limitations she was having and saw that increase. I was like, wow, this is, this stuff works. <laughs> For sure. What would, uh, so like if someone is when, as a coach, I see usually people struggling in the front rack position when they're, you know, trying to get the elbows up, they say their wrists hurt, or if they're even doing push-ups, some people have to do push-ups, like, on their knuckles, because yeah. if their palms are on the ground, that hurts their wrists. Like, when, when would you say, like, a good time, or when would you say someone needs to come see a occupational therapist for their wrists? I mean, I think if you're having pain in your wrist during those movement movements you got to do something yeah I don't know if you're ready for like therapy at that point but it might be worth having an evaluation and then just walking away with some 
if it's er the earlier the better, basically. Right. So if you come early on, it's like, oh, yeah, I think you just need to do these exercises. Sometimes it can just be a matter of like, hey, if you really push your wrists today and you're having this pain, give them a little bit of a rest. Like if the WAD prescribes push-ups one day and then a whole bunch of burpees the next day, maybe just scale in a way that you can give your, your wrists a rest and but still work out. Um, and then here are these exercises to incorporate in the meantime while you strengthen, and that should help. So one thing though I want to point out, which I tell all my patients is, in CrossFit, we ask our wrists to often go into this like 90 degrees of extension, which isn't normal. If you look at norms, and it can be any, and I mean reputable websites, um, if you look, they might vary a little, but none of them will tell you that 90 degrees of wrist extension is like the norm. So we're pushing our wrists into this hyper extended position and we can do it. Lots of people do it without developing pain, but I just think it's good to be aware of that. And that's why warming up is really important. So I would say all patients who came to me with that it's saying, oh, I've got pain during push-ups." When I try to do wall walks, you know, it hurts. Um, I, would, I would say, well, what are you doing to warm up your wrist? And usually it's like, nothing. And then we go over, well, like, why don't you try these things? Also, what I is very common is that the extensors are weaker than the flexors, which Eric experienced. Yeah. And, um, but didn't really know that, right? Like, you didn't, didn't, you, I don't think you were surprised by it, but. Yeah, but I mean, you weren't really even, expecting didn't even it. Go on yeah, the radar that that's a thing. Yeah. yeah, so a lot of most people will have an easier time doing a wrist curl with their palm up like this, but then when you flip over, your palm's facing the floor, and you bring the wrist back, you're gonna find you fatigue faster. A lot of people shake. I think your first time, it wasn't even a lot of weight, but. You're, yeah. you're shaking, and I did the same way, and I wasn't shaking. And I guarantee he's stronger than I am, okay? <laughs> so. Yeah, and it was like, it's like a deep burn. Like, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah it, was, it, was, it was pretty shocking. Yeah, and I did them, and I was just like, okay. Yeah. You know, I didn't. Off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Check these things out. <laughs> My massive form extensors. You must have done a lot of, like, motorcycle but, riding in the day. Like. <laughs> then, well, I've modeled these exercises for years, oh, yeah. so I get a good workout. But that was just a good way to show, too, that you had a muscle imbalance. So mm -hmm. when someone comes in and, and we kind of discover that, that's kind of easy to address. Um, but, yeah, I would say when you start having that pain, if you're not sure what to do, the sooner the better. Because otherwise you have people who say, like, my wrists have been hurting for years. And naturally that damage takes a lot longer to undo right. whereas if you if you address it early on it's usually pretty simple it's not going to take numerous sessions or a whole lot of brainstorming and digging it's unless you actually do have some sort of injured like structural change right yeah that that was i think i i waited a little bit longer because i i kind of just like avoided overhead squats and snatches and stuff but that's one thing I've learned is like as soon as there's a little bit of pain, like your yeah. body's telling you something, and if you can't fix it on your own, which like over the years there's a lot of stuff I can like figure out on my mm -hmm. own, but 
if I can't like just go to see somebody that's an expert, it makes it's well worth it, and like yeah. it just will save you years of of pain and and uh, struggle. So I'd say, yeah, I mean, as soon as there's pain, that's kind of like even if it's a little bit of pain, like just go, like that's the time to go get it checked out. I'd say. Yeah, don't don't put it off, and it's different for every person because some people are able to kind of problem-solve those situations a little better, whether it's based on their background or their, and not even, I don't necessarily mean their professional background, but just experiences with injuries in, in the past. But if you really don't know what to do and you don't know why you're having that pain, you should definitely get it checked out. And and more than likely, it's going to be something that can be addressed kind of quickly and easily. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and I thought it was like now I have all these tools and like little exercises that you gave me that even like, you know, when the problem is fixed, if it's, if I feel it start creeping up again, then yeah. I can probably go back to those and maybe those will It's your toolbox. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's what I like to tell people. Like we're just creating a toolbox. The idea is not that you need to come back. The idea is that you have this toolbox. So if these symptoms reoccur, you kind of know what to do. And then, yeah, if they're not working, maybe you come back. But the idea, like repeat offenders are, are great for business, but that's not really, I want to do my job, which is educate my patients so you know what to do when those little twinges creep up. Mm -hmm. um, another fascinating thing about the hand and wrist is if you look at this, you can look at these diagrams called a homunculus where it's like there's a motor cortex one and a sensory cortex one. So it, it's basically an image. Um, so you can type in like motor homunculus or sensory homunculus. It's an image of the brain, but it has a visual representation of each part of the body. Um, and for both sensory and motor, the hand, like there's a big hand coming off the brain to show you like how much of our brain is dedicated not only to the sensory aspect but the motor aspect of our hand and just how um, important they are and if you sustain an injury in CrossFit to your hand and wrist most likely it's going to affect other parts of your life we don't want that <coughs> you need your hands for everything you really do it's how we explore the world yeah exactly um, I have like three or four things where uh, well, these are, I guess, concepts or like grips, positions, those types of things that I teach them a certain way for a certain reason, but I'm open to like knowing if that's proper or not in a, okay. in a specialist's viewpoint. Okay. So I'm going to give you like a this versus that thing yeah. and see if we're congruent. Okay, so let's say like grabbing a bar, pull-up bar, thumb under and wrap with a full grip, thumb over, wrap with that like hook grip. Like, which is better? Which do you think is more sound? If, if somebody just didn't know and they're like, which one should I do? I feel like when you're wrapping your, th when you do this more. Not a full hook, but oh, like okay. just like squeezing the normal. I mean, you are getting some activation of your, that femur muscle right there. Mm. I would say really it should depend on the person and their comfort, first of all. Um, and just being aware, are you losing... Because, like, in a true thumb wrap grip, you lose Yeah, well, I'm talking about, like, on a pull-up bar. I I'm yeah. misspoke with saying hook grip. I mean, like, that, right? Thumb not under the bar versus, like, wrapping the thumb around the bar. I think it depends on the person. Okay, I, gotcha. I think it's okay to... Uh, do, do you have a preference? I try to teach the thumb. Yeah, that's probably what I would teach, Because they have more control. Too. Yeah. And I think it's a little safer. 
Um, if they're having a problem with that, though, so I don't want to say one is better or not because it, it could just depend on the person. Right. But I do agree with you that um, having the thumb gives more control. But if they're not using the thumb, there's probably a reason, like, that muscle might be very weak mm -hmm. and they need to strengthen it. So, like, they might not be using it because it doesn't actually feel any more secure for them. Gotcha. Um, so it could just be an underlying... Uh, strength, but other our anatomies are all so different too. Like a per thumb range of motion varies from person to person. Thumb length varies from. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, like... yeah. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> um, even just like yeah, how how much a person can bend their thumb, it all varies from person to person in a healthy hand. Mm. So I, I think. Offering the two options is great and kind of encouraging people to get the thumb around is good. But if they really can't, you could um, you could even try some like pinching and and see how that muscle is popping up like when they're pinching and yeah. does it feel strong compared to the other side. Gotcha. Um, but there there could be an underlying issue or maybe not. It just might be their anatomy. Right. And I'm not, like, even married to these, like, this is right, this is wrong. It's just more so, like, somebody's like, which is better? Because I get that question yeah. a lot. And, like, in my opinion, I'm not a specialist with the hands, but I think if, if you have thumbs, you should use them. Yeah. yeah. Our thumbs are meant, and they do, um, they do contribute to our, our grip. I mean, that muscle is a big part of, um, like, wrapping our hand around an object. Mm -hmm. And so the, we'll bring it to the real hook grip. Do you deal with, like, any thumb issues from that? I I don't, like, heavily harp on hook grip. That was a nice alliteration right there. <laughs> um, but if you're going to do heavy Olympic lifting and you want to get good at it and, like, you're somebody who's looking to progress in that avenue, hook grip's going to be a huge tool for you to, mm -hmm. like, lock you on the bar. Um, do, you, do you have any, like, input on that? Is that something that you like tell people to avoid or is it good if it's not painful or no from my experience like doing crossfit myself it's like not how i prefer to grab but there have been times when like oh yeah that does make this movement easier because it feels more secure and i think the only thing to keep in mind is that when you have like a true hook grip like that you are like you'll see when you're doing that that muscle isn't really popping up mm -hmm. so you're you're losing it but i understand it's like you're getting like the script. Yeah. yeah. Um, so no, I don't, I, again, I, I think it would depend on the person too. Like maybe one person, like I just don't feel comfortable when I do that or it's painful. Um, or I don't feel like I actually have a better grip. Um, but I think teaching them is important because I do agree that that's a good tool for just having, I've experienced it myself. So mm. I know it can be a good tool for having a better grip on the bar. And then lastly, I know I'm like grilling you right now. That's okay. Sorry, but I'm curious, like yeah. personally curious. Um, like when I teach like handstand stability, I I kind of like uh, show them like I want you to grip with the fingertips too. So you have like this like like tactile feeling mm -hmm. through the whole hand, almost like there's a little tiny space under there and like that we're spreading the floor a little bit. Same thing that you would maybe teach with like your toes when you're yeah. doing a squat as opposed to like just kind of flat palms. Is that something? Yeah, I agree with that. I I find myself even during like a push-up sometimes really trying to think about, um, yeah, like almost gripping like the floor. Yeah. Like a gecko with yeah. the floor. And push-up's probably a better option or to discuss because more people, you know, have done them. 
So. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I consciously do that every time, but there are times when, like, like push-ups are a struggle for me right now, so what I'll do is focus on something like that because that's, like, proprioceptive, and um, it just helps you know where your hand is on the floor, how much force is, like, going through the different parts of your hand. Um, so, yeah, I agree with that, and I, I think... The idea, yeah, is you're almost like gripping the floor, like pulling, mm -hmm. right? Make it, yeah, like and make that it little cup pops up in the middle, right? And I like when I do that, I feel so much more secure. Like I have larger base of support, more surface area on the ground. I'm also like I feel like even just stand, sitting here and doing that, I feel like engagement of those extensors. Yeah, you have there. that wide, the wider base of support, and um, it feels funny when you first. I think I learned that even before I ever worked in hand therapy, like in yoga. And I was like, whoa, this feels really good. And at first, though, it can it feels strange, too, be, if you're used to just doing your push-ups like this and your hands kind of come in a little or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, when you try to open them up, it does, um, I think, give you more stability. Cool. So <clears throat> maybe to finish it out, like, we can say that I'm just thinking in my head of things that are not normal. In your wrist. So, like, if you're doing push-ups and you feel pain, that's not normal. If no. you have, if you have to flare your hands out during a push-up, like that's happened to me a few times. Yeah. Where when I'm like over the last few years, as my forms have gotten tighter and weaker, I have to flare my fingers pointing outwards when I do like handstand walks or even push-ups. Sometimes that's not normal. Um, yeah. Any compensatory movement, even if it's not painful. If you're like changing the movement somehow, or even um, like we might do that with I mean, we it's normal to adjust the like the distance of our hands and different overhead movements. But like if you're having to do it so much to avoid a pain or a discomfort, you definitely want to consider that. I don't think wrist pain is normal. I don't have wrist pain. Right. It's not normal to have wrist pain. Yeah. I don't do push-ups and have wrist pain, and I can't like bang out. A bunch of solid regular push-ups but on my knees I could do a whole bunch and I don't have wrist pain mm -hmm. I'm weak but <laughs> I don't have wrist pain so I don't <clears throat> think wrist pain is normal just like if someone was having back pain it's just kind of sad that like we're like ooh back pain ding 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 like no good but with the wrist it's like oh my wrist hurts I'll just go do more yeah, push-ups right we just like brush yeah it off. and and I mean in terms of just developing problems down the road, tendonitis and arthritis and even chronic inflammation, like having that chronic little bit of pain will likely be accompanied by a chronic little bit of swelling and that wreaks havoc on your body. That can act like scar tissue in your, or can create scar tissue in the body because it acts almost like a glue. I had a therapist once like describe it and I was like, wow, that's a, you know, it can create scar tissue in your body that you don't want. And, and I'm not saying like a couple weeks of wrist pain is going to do that. But I mean, mm -hmm. if you're doing that for years, you're just kind of ignoring your sore wrist. You're really not doing yourself any favors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, go see Erin. She'll give you some warm ups. <laughs> at least like yeah. give you stuff that, you know, you can warm up maybe before class if your wrist bother you or give you strengthening exercises that can really help um, down the road. So it's, <clears throat> One of those things we never think about, but highly recommend uh, going to get help for it. Yeah. Because, yeah. 
What is that thing you said? Midline stability. Oh, proximal stability. Proximal stability. For distal mobility. For distal mobility. Yeah. We're write that down on the whiteboard a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah I made it up. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> so many syllables. I know. Sweet. Cool. So where should people uh, find you when they need your help? Oh, well, we are on Instagram at Revitalized Performance, Facebook, Revitalized Performance, or you can just look for our website. Yeah. Or think you if work you... out usually at 1130 at 10 Oh, yeah. You can find me in Milford working <laughs> yeah. out. <laughs> and, we'll, and come talk to us and we'll send people your way Yeah, too, definitely. Yeah, we definitely uh, enjoy funneling people there because we know they're going to get quality service. So. Ooh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm so excited to be part of the team. Yeah. Cool. Well, Thank you. until next week. Yeah. Think about your wrists, people. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs>